I've just started reading this book. My dad gave it to me for my birthday. It's called The Fabric of the Cosmos. Now, look, I'll be honest with you. I don't normally read books this fat. It's a bit scary, but this one's got me hooked. You see, it just starts by asking a whole heap of questions. And they're questions that I want to know the answers to. Stuff like, what is space? What's time? How are they related? Are they even real, physical, tangible, measurable things? Or are they just useful ideas that help us explain the way things are? Does time have a beginning? You know, a point that you can measure when it started from. Does time just have an arrow inexorably flowing from the past to the future? Or can you manipulate time? Can you speed it up or slow it down, double it back? Can you travel through time? And look, I'm really enjoying thinking about this stuff, even though some of it, I must admit, it hurts my brain at times. But imagine, imagine if you could do more than just think about it. Imagine if you could do more than just read about it and talk about it. Imagine if you could experience it. Imagine if you could experience travelling through time, into the future, back into the past. That experience would be life-changing, I reckon, wouldn't it? And look, that's what Luke wants to tell us about Jesus' forgiveness this morning. Experiencing Jesus' forgiveness is life-changing. And look, we've spent heaps of time talking about Jesus. We've spent the last six or seven weeks talking about him. We've been talking about how he's the one who's come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. How he's the one who's come to call sinners to repentance. How he's the one who's come to fulfil God's plan. And over and over again we've been talking about how he's the one who's come to forgive sins. But imagine, imagine if you could do more than just talk about it. Imagine if you could experience that forgiveness for yourself. Imagine if it was possible for you to experience being completely and utterly forgiven. Now that would be something else altogether, wouldn't it? Friends, we've already seen that Jesus can forgive sins. We've spent enough time talking about it. And so look, the challenge, the exciting challenge this morning is this. The challenge is for you to consider whether you've experienced the life-changing forgiveness of Jesus. Now Luke's going to help us think about Jesus' forgiveness and how absolutely life-changing it is by telling us this story about a time when Jesus went to this Pharisee's house for a meal. And first he tells us about how Jesus talked with the Pharisee. And then right at the end he tells us about this extra bit about how Jesus talked to the woman who was there as well. And look, what we're going to see all the way through here is that Jesus' forgiveness is life-changing. Let's start by listening in to what happens when Jesus talks to the Pharisee. And look, as, we set, as Luke sets the scene for us here as we read this, just try and imagine, try and imagine how you would feel if you were a guest at this dinner party. Try and imagine how you would feel if you were a fly on the wall as this is going on. Verse 36, read with me. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, 
she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. How do you reckon you'd be feeling at a dinner party like that? You'd have to be awkward, right? I mean, this is a bizarre scene. One of the Pharisees, he invites Jesus over for a meal, which in itself isn't too weird, although the Pharisees and Jesus haven't exactly been getting along. But then this woman hears about it, and we're told she's a woman who'd lived a sinful life in that town. Now, look, in itself, that's interesting, isn't it? Jesus here is meeting another sinner. Remember the last time he met a sinner? It was back at Levi's house. And there the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they were scandalised by Jesus eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. And now here's another sinner, a woman. A woman who's got a reputation all over town for being a sinner. Now, look, we're not told exactly what she'd done. We're not told exactly what she's got a reputation for, but the best guess seems to be that she's some kind of prostitute. In any case, this woman, who everyone knows is a sinner, she hears that Jesus is in this guy's house having a meal, and so she decides to rock up as well. And look, then we get all this weird stuff, don't we? All this weird stuff about how she stands behind Jesus crying. And as she cries, as she weeps, the tears run down her cheeks, they drip onto Jesus' feet, they mingle with the dust and turn it into mud, and so she gets down and she wipes it off with her hair and she pours perfume on and massages it into his feet. And look, this is a bizarre scene. And we're just left kind of wondering, is this a good thing? Or is this a bad thing? Is this a beautiful thing that's happening here? Or is it disgusting? Is it, is it immoral even? The Pharisee, he certainly thinks something's a bit off. Have a look at what he says. He thinks to himself, it's there in verse 39. He says to himself, if this guy was a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. You see, for this guy, a Pharisee, who was ceremonially clean and pure, associating with sinners, letting them touch you, even being near them, especially a notorious sinner like this woman, that was taboo. You just didn't do it. You didn't go there. It wasn't normally socially acceptable behaviour. But look, Jesus' behaviour here, it isn't normal. It's radical. It's scandalous even. I don't know if you noticed, but what are we told Jesus did when the woman touched him? That's right, nothing. You see, Jesus, he doesn't pull back from this woman's touch. He doesn't shy or or flinch away from her. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't ostracise her even further. He doesn't make her even more of an outcast. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus has compassion on sinners. Jesus came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. Jesus forgives sin. 
And his forgiveness, make no mistake, it is life-changing. And so this woman, a social outcast, who may have only had intimate physical contact with men when she sold her body for sex, her life is changed. She's experienced Jesus' compassion. She's experienced Jesus' forgiveness. She no longer has to live in fear. She no longer has to live in isolation and shame and guilt. She dares even to come into a Pharisee's house. She dares even to touch a man, Jesus. She cleans his feet with her tears and her hair. Friends, I hope you can see how absolutely massive this change in her life is. How wonderful it must have been for her after years of neglect and isolation and abuse to finally be loved, to finally be shown compassion and generosity, to finally be forgiven. And look, it's great that Jesus did that for her. But on a more practical level, what what are we really supposed to make of his actions here? I mean, you can kind of see the Pharisee's point, right? Like you can almost sympathise with him here. Being friends with sinners, that's one thing. But letting a known prostitute kiss your feet, letting her cover them with her bodily fluids, letting her wipe them clean with her hair and massage them with oil, what is going on here? Like has Jesus lost it? Has he gone too far? Friends, this woman has been forgiven. She has had a massive debt cancelled. And this excessive outpouring of emotion, it's natural. She's experienced a life-changing forgiveness from Jesus. And so Jesus, he goes on to tell the Pharisee a story. Tells him a story to try and explain to him that experiencing true, complete forgiveness of your sins is life-changing. So let's listen in. Verse 41, he says to the Pharisee, Two guys owed money to a moneylender. One owed about $10,000, and the other one owed ten times that much, $100,000. Both of them owed a lot of money. But the amount they owed, it doesn't really matter, because the thing is, the important thing here is, neither of them could pay it back. Both these guys, they had no hope of repaying the moneylender. They had no hope of cancelling their debt. Their situation was hopeless. And so what does the moneylender do to them? He forgave them both. He cancelled the debts of both of them. Now look, those guys, they must have been flabbergasted. They must have been astounded. They were drowning in debt. They'd run up bills they had no hope of paying. They were going backwards well and truly in the red. And look, most likely, they were facing a period of slavery so as to try and repay the debt they owed to the moneylender. But the amazing thing is they were forgiven. Their debts were cancelled, wiped clean. And look, like the Pharisee, intuitively, we know, don't we, we know who would have been more grateful Of course the guy who had the bigger debt cancelled. Of course the one who had the greater debt forgiven. Of course he'd love more. 
Now, look, what we're really talking about here, it's not cancelling fiscal debt. Luke's not giving us financial advice here. He's a doctor, not not an accountant. Friends, what we're really talking about here is forgiveness of sin. Now, just as a kind of side note at this point, something to keep in mind for later on, Jesus' story here raises an interesting question. These guys in the story, they had different amounts of debt. So does that mean you can have a greater and a lesser sin debt? Does that mean some sins are better and less sinful than others? If what we're really talking about here isn't financial debt, but the debt and guilt we have before God because of sin, then how can one man have ten times more than the other? Did he sin more often? More frequently? Did he do a greater number of sins altogether? Did he commit worse sins? How can he have a bigger sin debt than the other guy? Dunno. What is Jesus getting at here? He started the story back in verse 40 by saying to Simon, Simon, I have something to tell you. So what does Jesus want to tell Simon here? Well, we'll have to keep reading to see. But at least notice this. And look, even Simon got this. Forgiveness is life-changing. Both guys in the story, they went away changed. Both guys in the story loved the moneylender. The question isn't which one of them will love him. But the question is, which one of them will love him more? Their lives were changed by being forgiven. Forgiveness is life-changing. And as we're going to see, Jesus' forgiveness is especially life-changing. Let's pick it up from verse 44. Verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon... Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Now look, it's that last phrase, really. Her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. That's really the crux of this whole section. That's what Jesus wants to tell Simon. But what does it mean? What on earth is Jesus trying to get at here? Is it that people who have sinned worse somehow love more? Is it to do with how much we comprehend our forgiveness? You know, the more we're aware of the doctrine of sin, the more we're aware of our sin and how filthy we are and how wonderful Jesus' forgiveness is, the more we'll love Is it that the woman 
has been forgiven a lot because she was a really bad sinner and so that's why she loves a lot. But Simon, he's only been forgiven a little bit because he was mostly good. So that's why he only loves a little bit. Is Simon even forgiven? Look, maybe it's that really, in the end, we're all forgiven lots. So maybe this is just some kind of hyperbole, some kind of exaggeration, a juxtaposition so as to make a point. But what point? Maybe, maybe it's to do with people who are forgiven as opposed to people who aren't forgiven. The woman's forgiven, that's why she loves, but Simon, he's not forgiven. That's why he doesn't love. But then how does that fit with the story Jesus told? In the story, both guys had a debt, but they were both forgiven. Look, in the end, this is the good thing about parables, isn't it? They make you think. But we still want to know, don't we? What is it that Jesus wants to tell Simon? And look, what is very clear about Jesus' parable is this. Jesus wants Simon and he wants us to notice this. Because the woman was forgiven much, that's why she loved much. In other words, her great love, it testifies to the presence of great forgiveness. Jesus says, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven for she loved much. Now, when was she forgiven? Well, we're not told. All we know is that she has been forgiven and she is now forgiven. Perhaps she met Jesus before sometime. It doesn't matter, though. She has received forgiveness. That's what matters. And she received it before now. She received forgiveness before she went to Simon's house. She received forgiveness before she ever stood behind Jesus. Friends, this is important. This woman, her many sins were forgiven before she showed great love to Jesus. In fact, she showed great love to Jesus because her sins had been forgiven. You see, friends, in the end, what Jesus wants to tell Simon is this. Experiencing his forgiveness is absolutely life-changing. This woman's life has been amazingly, irreversibly changed because she's been forgiven by Jesus. So Simon, where's the evidence of your forgiveness? Now, having said all this to Simon, Jesus finally now talks to the woman herself. And look, as we listen to Jesus talk to her, what we're going to see is that wonderfully this woman has experienced Jesus' forgiveness. But the other guests, they just don't get it. They're still just talking about it. Verse 48. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Now look, at first glance, what Jesus says to the woman here, your sins are forgiven, it seems a bit weird, right? I mean, was she forgiven before? Yes, she was. 
Her love is evidence of her forgiveness. You see, Jesus here, he's not forgiving her. He's reassuring her that, yes, she has been forgiven. And yes, she is now forgiven. She has experienced Jesus' forgiveness. And the evidence of it is in the way her life has been changed. The evidence of it uh, is in the love. Now look, the other guests there at Simon's party, the other dinner guests, they don't get it. They want to keep talking about it. They want to keep tossing around ideas. They want to keep asking questions. Who is this who even forgives sins? But in the end, that is just dumb. Why keep talking about it when you can experience it? And look, friends, let's be honest. We can talk about Jesus. We can talk about how he can forgive sins till the cows come home. We've been doing it for the last six weeks. But imagine. Imagine if you could experience it. Imagine if you could experience Jesus' forgiveness for yourself. Imagine experiencing being completely and utterly forgiven. That, that would be something else altogether, wouldn't it? Imagine. Imagine if you could experience being free from guilt and free from shame. Imagine no longer having to feel dirty and ashamed and unworthy. Imagine no longer having to feel like if anyone knew the truth, if anyone knew, there's no way they'd want to know you. Imagine no more secrets, no more lies, no more deception, no more having to hide everything all the time. Imagine being free from the pull, from the attraction, from the power of whatever it is. Imagine it. Friends, we've talked long enough. Jesus forgives sins. And this morning, Jesus' offer is for you to experience forgiveness for yourself, for your life to be changed. Have a look at the very last thing that Jesus says to the woman. Verse 50. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Friends, if you trust Jesus, if you believe that he can forgive sin and you ask him to, he will. He will. He will forgive. And you can experience the life-changing forgiveness of Jesus for yourself. Let's pray. Our great God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good and generous and merciful and kind. Father, we thank you over and over again for your Son, Jesus. Thank you that by his death and resurrection, you've paid our debt, you've cancelled our debt. And that if we trust in him, if we believe his claim that he can forgive sins, and if we do ask for forgiveness, then we will be forgiven. Our debt gone. 
And so, Father, we pray if for those among us who haven't yet asked for forgiveness, Father, please, we pray, help us to be convinced of Jesus' claim that he can forgive sins. And, Father, for those who wonderfully have been forgiven, we want to be people like this woman, woman, uh, people who love extravagantly, people who love Jesus with all our heart and soul and, and strength in our lives because we have been forgiven because we're free from the power of sin and guilt and shame and death. Father, we thank you again for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.